Welcome back to another episode of Stupid Old Friends with Dustbrew and Brando. Alright, let's begin. Rachel! <laughs> and it's funny that we're you're doing that impression while the mic sits atop uh, the Rat King himself's greatest hit of all time the killing joke alan moore what a classic man what does he believe in he believes in something oh what is his religion it's very um i envy his beard and hair yeah well it's i think it's wholly his own i don't think i think he has the credit of it's like it's in the same league as like the flying spaghetti monster is that type of religious belief Mm -hmm. um like you want you you once made a great point, which is you know these these bitches will believe in anything but God, you know, and I don't think Alan Moore's a bitch necessarily. No, I, I actually think he's a he's a hero. I, I mean, I would be afraid to say that anywhere because how he looks, it looks like he could climb out of the ground like a mole man and just <laughs> abduct us. Like Pennywise, he just lives in your basement sewer and <laughs> exactly then just comes and feeds feasts <laughs> on your children at night. Uh, and it's so weird because he doesn't look like a guy that makes comic books for, I mean. I mean, he looks like a guy with no job. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe a comic book writer really is that sometimes. I mean, isn't that a dream? To just be a writer for comic books? What's your dream job? Oh, uh, wait. You I don't, don't dream, dream of labor. labor. I don't Jinx. <laughs> I'm in love with you. <laughs> I mean, Dusty. We're, we have a podcast right now. I mean. <laughs> It's obvious none of us dream of, neither you or I dream of labor. That's definitely true. Or we wouldn't have a podcast. That is definitely true, my guy. Yeah, Dusty, I mean, comic book writing it has to be probably some of the easiest you could pay someone to be creative because, honestly, you could just make up anything. And I mean, comic books are meant for children, Dusty. I mean, they really are. No, you're right. Down to the bottom line, they're meant for... Do I read a comic book every night? Of course. But I just... I don't read it like I'm reading Icarus. I mean, I'm reading it like, you know, it's it's what it is. It's just Mm -hmm. a step above, you know, uh, bluefish, redfish, and fuckfish. I don't know what (laughs) this... I forget what it's called. But, you know... Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's made for kids, but, I mean, we... I mean, comic books are like... I mean, they're like 20,000 leagues under the sea compared to Chelsea Handler's latest work. I mean, I, I haven't read it, but I mean, I've Guess what? You don't have to. Uh, well, who, whoever reads political books, I mean, you've already. And I'm talking like written, like Bill O'Reilly's books. I mean, killing, What do you mean? Killing, killing Jesus? Killing Hannity? Oh, wait. That's my book. <laughs> kidding i love you sean you ever seen the clip of him smoking on like smoking a vape right on air and then he's like they're like and they're like he's like and he pulls it down real quick i mean why why can't we let our news anchors smoke anymore why why can't we let that didn't they used to do that like on air actually smoke on air are you kidding me yeah man you go back to these guys like edward r murrow like these real like fifties, like the beginning of TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're freaking ripping heaters on on camera, no doubt. What a different time! I miss. But didn't they seem more authentic too? Oh yeah, it's and, like everybody hides their vices now. They can't be public anymore. It's like I mean, is there? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't. 
I don't eat. I don't do anything wrong. Like that's what our and that's what makes these vices even worse. Like, right. And when the when they have to almost keep it a secret, you know. Like imagine. See back then, let's compare America's obesity rate in the fifties when smoking everywhere was allowed versus now. I'm pretty sure there's a correlation. I oh, mean, definitely. If, I mean, if everyone was just allowed to smoke again, like. I don't think there has been a more detrimental policy than banning menthol cigarettes. I mean, I mean can we on. say this? I mean, not that many people died from smoking. <laughs> can we say that? I mean, can, is, there, is there an excess? Yeah, like, can you do it too much? Yes. It's like alcohol. I mean, of course. But it's like, do you want to live life being healthy and, like, miserable? Or do you want to have fun? And you could even, I mean, did you see those guys back then? They weren't, like, huge. They were they just, thin. They were thin. They were smoking. They were I mean, God bless him. My great-grandfather chain-smoked. And he lived to the ripe old age of 53. I mean, can we ask anything more than that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, these guys back then, you know, they were building the interstates. Eisenhower had them out there, you know, with all these jobs, the national park jobs, building trails, all of that. Let him smoke a heater in the, you know, in the restaurant with a kid behind. That kid could use a little bit of secondhand smoke. I think we all can use a little bit yes. of secondhand smoke. Yes. You know, it it just life seemed better back then <laughs> when people were allowed to smoke in restaurants, anywhere, at gas stations. Do you ever just want to smoke? There's just a blue hue everywhere. <laughs> Do you ever just, like, pull up and put gas in your car and just think, I want to rip a heater right here? And everyone's telling you, don't do that. Don't do because oh, if you you're going to blow up the... <laughs> it's not Michael Bay. It's yeah. not like... <laughs> I'm all, it's not going to always explode, you know? But, yeah. That's just but my now favorite. it's all about control and, like... You can't have anything like you can't have any vices. You have to be a perfect person and I'm just upset, you know, we've there's there's been a real victim with the smoking like all these things with the smoking community and you know, with the like it's bad enough that our government put crack in black neighborhoods in the 80s. Allegedly. And then to go as far as then to ban menthol cigarettes. I mean, why are we just... So we give them something and then we take something away from this. This is horrible. Yeah, I, I mean, mean can, we legalize, can we just legalize crack then? I, I mean, mean, I know Joe Biden week. was instrumental in instituting the most restrictive racist crime bill <laughs> potentially ever passed in the United States. If you don't believe me, look it up. Exactly. Look, look, listen to him on the Senate floor a mere 30 years ago. I mean... And listen, no hate. And then he did it again All politicians today. do this. I don't... Whatever. But, like, I'm just saying, you know? People just need to be honest about what they do. Like, Robert De Niro just needs to be honest and says... He needs to come out and say, I'm addicted to dating black women. He has <laughs> exactly. never dated a white woman. And I'm proud of it. And that. I love it. I can understand. There's some times where I'm just like... <laughs> why are you why What's are you around we, we did see we already we talked about white women in our last episode exactly we can't as we did the, crack uh, we can't beat the dead horse exactly I mean. but it's odd people just need to know where our where where we stand with some of these things you're it's, right you're right i mean it's menthol banning that man <laughs> i mean what did that we we gave him crack and then we get Let's just leave. What what country did legalize all drugs? What country was that? Was that Greenland? Um, was I that believe Sweden. In 
the Netherlands has decriminalized all drugs. And I believe Portugal has as well. Um, they decriminalized all drugs. Now, they're not fully legal. But yeah. they are decriminalized. Just meaning that they... You won't be arrested for it, mm -hmm. per se, or you won't go to jail for it. So they se. don't sell it over the counter. Like, you can't no. go somewhere and get, like, Coke in a bottle and then, like, snort it in your, on the dash of your car in the parking lot. Huh. Huh. So, like, how has the drugs been there at that point? Like, when you decriminalize... See, I don't know. I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Netherlands, mostly because they're an irrelevant country. I mean, how will the CIA feel if we decriminalize drugs in America? What, are they, I what mean, is they're their the, role going to be? I mean, they're the... Ma I mean, bar none, they might be the most massive seller of drugs on the planet. I mean... <laughs> allegedly <laughs> allegedly i mean i mean they allegedly killed jfk we have all these people allegedly that are like, the pentagon MLK. is releasing all these aliens and ufos and it's like don't you think that's a distraction do you i honestly feel like our government has done so much horrible stuff that they are willing to release extraterrestrial life footage to the public to distract them from maybe another declassified document stating how in 1988 they've transported millions of pounds of crack across the border and like <laughs> they've implemented the Mexican cartel. I'm just fibbing here. That's probably not true. You're just fibbing. I mean, I mean I'm on. just fibbing. But it's like, don't you just think the aliens I mean, are a distraction? Let's get into Operation Northwoods. Let's get into <laughs> Operation COINTELPRO. I mean, we can't do it. I mean... Did they openly admit that they were going to <laughs> harm American citizens in order to have American, the American public get behind invading Cuba? Maybe. <laughs> Potentially. I mean, even back then, would anyone have believed such a small state like Cuba could have ever bombed? Because wasn't that the whole Operation Northwoods that they were like, the plan was to bomb a small little area in Florida, uh, like set one off, kill a couple people, then say, Cubans did it. Right. I mean, would anyone believe it? And then we just it? invade an absolutely carpet bomb and wipe their country clean. I mean... Which is what we should have done. God bless America. I mean, it, it's foolproof, because we did it back in 1899. Uh, the USS Maine? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I think we all know about the Lusitania and how... <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep like blatantly blaming the government on stuff that is we not true. We need to say things so so perversely about the government that they do enter this home while we're speaking. <laughs> but they don't care about us because they know we have no power to influence people's opinions. Exactly. They're t you know what they do? You know what I bet? Hmm. I bet you the CIA. Or some other mysterious government body has contacted Joe Rogan personally and told him, hey, buddy, keep in line. I mean, what's the chances that he's gone unnoticed? He's definitely on their radar. He has mm. to be. I mean, when he says something, it becomes a cultural... I, I mean, I mean, he, what he says, people do. When, he, when COVID was happening and he was like, keep your immune system up, go buy vitamin D... I went to the grocery store, Dusty. Vitamin D was almost completely gone. People listened to Rogan. Well, he, you were there also buying vitamin D because you love Joe Rogan. Exactly. I went there because I heard it too. And I said, 
that bald-headed barbarian told me exactly what to do, and I'm going to go do it. And we've listened to him yet again? Exactly. He said, if you're 21, 22, why would you get the vaccine? <laughs> I mean, the fastest, fastest developed vaccine in human history? Shh. You're not allowed to say a word. <laughs> because you don't know science, okay? You're just a little insignificant nothing you don't know anything about science i mean can i ask this what's the difference between maybe putting fentanyl in me what if i just instead of the vaccine what would fentanyl do against covid because i wonder would it i mean why don't i just start doing drugs just start putting a bunch of them in me and i mean i think i think it's a great idea i mean honestly i think you should try to contract covid again and for the two weeks where you're isolating you should try street drugs and see which one offsets the symptoms exactly i mean have we known anyone personally that has gotten covid yet in the like not yet i'm sorry i'm actually mean like recently recently no now is that because the vaccine has been 100 percent effective or or have we built some sort of herd immunity because we don't wear masks. Because we're free people. I mean, Doug Mastriano says, walk as free people. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. And I mean, he walked right up to that Capitol oh. and then said, I never came. I he never went in. He basically <laughs> ding-dong-ditched on January 6th. And that's why I'm voting for him for governor. <laughs> I can't believe that we have someone in this state that legitimately was at the Capitol oh. and can be elected as a, gov- as a state it. official. I mean, it's incredible how we've gotten to that point. And then he just has to say, I wasn't there. And we would just be like, we believe you. We're like, yeah, boss, we get it. I mean, it's what it is, though. The Democrats, they're like, oh, we need to form a committee to talk about the events of January 6th. I'm actually with the Republicans on this one. It's a waste of time. What do you mean, the events? I mean, those guys are already getting trials. I mean, the one guy who put his feet up on Pelosi's desk, he's getting seven years. They're going to get multi-year jail sentences, all of them. The FBI rounded up most of them already. So what do you need to, oh, we need a January 6th, we need to form a committee, and what, so they're going to spend the next ten months talking about it. How much money is that going to cost? And to have this committee and have this, like, all this stuff. I mean, how much taxpayer money... I mean, I would rather be spend. I would rather my money be spent on Joe Biden's chocolate, chocolate chip, than any January six. You know. Oh, I know. And it's like, like, why don't you like pass some meaningful legislation instead of like, let's have a dialogue about January sixth. <laughs> Shut up! Like they're like, oh, the Republicans, they, they, oh, they, they're blocking this because their friends were the ones who came in. Uh, who cares? There might be, I mean, and I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats, you know. As I've said before, I'm not left-wing or right-wing. I jumped off the bird. That's what I tell people. But at the end of the day, the majority of the Republicans that Democrats are, quote-unquote, calling, like, radical and controversial, they're just mainline Republicans. I mean, it's not like we're people think there's this dramatic shift in both parties to something more extreme. No, that's just like the loudest voices in the room effect, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even know. I hate politics. Why are we talking politics? I don't even. I don't remember how we got into it. But anyways, I think the government is in need of a wacky like. We need a knives out style story to happen at the in the government. You know, we need someone who's mysteriously murdered, and it's like knives out slash clue levels of, you know, Matt Gates is like the Colonel Mustard, uh, Pelosi is like. Is there a character like Scarlet? Is there like... There's... I forget the characters in Clue. They're all like named after the color they are. Like one woman who's like a redhead wearing a red dress and her name's like Scarlet. I don't know what I'm trying to get at here. I just think our government needs political theater. We need political theater again. And I'm talking like exaggerated theater. I agree. I mean, Australia had a prime minister that shit himself in a McDonald's in 1996. <laughs> I mean, I can mean we... that's legendary. Why are we not having, like... Why are we holding our American leaders at a standard of... Like, let's but be honest. Trump, one of the most entertaining presidents... Will, entertaining leaders, I think, we'll ever see he, of all time. I mean... I mean, the man was genuinely funny. I'm sorry. I don't care what you think of him politically. I laughed every time he made it. I mean, when he when he Ew, called Charlie. Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, I mean, that solidified his comedic. I mean, it's just brilliant. Alfred E. Newman, that's what he called <laughs> B. Buttigieg. <laughs> the guy from Mad Magazine, yeah. the kid. I mean, these are just brilliant references. Do a little trolling. Do a little trolling. We like to do a little trolling here and there, you know. It's okay. It's okay. I was out the other day. It's just terrible. It's just, when when a R R G B Ruth. No, RGB. RGB is a color. <laughs> yeah, spectrum. RPG. When she died. LGBTQ. Uh, when she died. With when, when Ruth Bader died. He was out at like some airfield, and, and, and Elton it, John is <laughs> playing in the background. In the background. <laughs> and he looks disheveled. I think his shirt was a little untucked. And there's like there was for the first time, and I think in his presidency, there was three journalists there. There wasn't even like a crowd. It was just like a couple of journalists, and they were like, "How do you like? Did you hear the news about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that of her passing?" And he's just hang on, hang on, no, blue no, no. jean baby, and he's there. Hang on. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the reporter and I'm gonna ask you, President Trump. All right, here we go. Blue jean, baby, LA lady. Uh, Mr. Trump, did you hear the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death? Can we just have you react to that? I I didn't know it happened. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, it. What a lifelong career. <laughs> It's, it's a horrible impression of Trump, but, but at just, the same it's time... It's just the most incredible, just with Tiny Dancer playing in the background. I mean, it's, it's emotional. I mean, it it's is. really emotional. You almost cry just watching it. It's a it. movie mo It legitimately feels like I am watching Almost Famous, and he's I there. I didn't know that. That's terrible. What a great career. <laughs> I mean... I always launch into, like, Batman trying to do Trump. I'm like, where were the other drugs going? I mean... Trump was great in the in the aspect of like everyone will all like the people who were butthurt by him so much they built lives around him. Like what other president can say that someone has built a comedy career? Uh you know, there's like 
examples in comic books and movies where characters are obviously written based off of him, you know, like Right, right. People the back then when there was a famous figure who was controversial and people wanted to write characters in fiction based around that character, they were kind of clever about it. You know what I mean? Like there's for some reason, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, which is bad when you're trying to talk about something. But, you know, like classic literature, when those guys were making stories of like Homer's Odyssey and all that kind of stuff, you know, they were probably basing it around some asshole back then that was some, you know, big noise in Greece or whatever. But they did it cleverly. Nowadays... People are just You're basically lazy. saying satire and irony. It's just become lazy. It is. It's we just can't erase his name anymore. and just put like something else there. You know, like I was watching a trailer for the new Far Cry Six game, and in that game, you're like in a Cuba-esque country now. So you're like fighting in the city, and you're fighting in the like in the jungles of the Caribbean or of South America, one of the two, and. Uh, the guy who plays Gustavo Fring uh, from Breaking Bad, he's the main villain of the game. Oh, okay. And in yeah, the trailer, yeah. he calls the media that try to paint him as a villain as the fake news. And he comes off very much like a Hispanic Trump. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, lazy. <laughs> just lazy. Lazy. I mean, enough already. I mean, enough already. Make something new and creative. I mean, and you can take something like a Trump-esque figure and create something from it, like satire of it. Like uh, the movie. Idiocracy? Idiocracy. Brilliant. That movie came out before even Trump was president, yet it's one of the best satires of of America with him as president. You know what I mean? Right. And... It just shows that even, um, what's his name? Why am I forgetting who created, he did Beavis and Butthead and Mike Judge. Yeah, Mike, Mike Judge, Judge. You know, he created uh, Idiocracy and he didn't need like, I mean, he had Bush. I'm pretty sure he, he yeah, inspired. Yeah, I think he was thinking of Bush. <laughs> I think he was thinking of Bush, but it's still related as well to I'm de- thinking of Bush right now. Bro, bro, go to the dentist to get a haircut. Um, yeah, let's just get off the set. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> I know, but that's what's fun. I don't even know. It doesn't what matter. I have no examples. Nobody listens to this. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, we're two white men sitting in a basement. I just want to give, like, you know, the FBI agent, you know. You want to give him something to entertain him because he's, you know, let's face yeah. it, he's bored. What time is it? It's about 740. Yeah, his days run yeah. long. He's missing his wife and kids. He's on his fifth cup of joe, and he's like, man, why'd they put me on? I did have a question to ask you. What, um, this is a fun question. What is your ideal concert? What is the ideal Ideal band, venue, time of day, weather? Man, you're hitting me hard here. I mean. That is good, bro. I have mine, but I'll let you think of yours if you need Hmm. to. Well, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be like a probably a, I don't know though. Hmm, this is tough because I've seen concerts, 
I've seen smaller ones, and I've seen like stadium size, mm-hmm. and both of them have their own merits. But I wonder, like, for the artists that I would want to say see, which one would work better? You know, mm-hmm. because I remember, like, I saw Bon Iver in like this in Nashville. It's called the Ryman Auditorium, and it's sort of big, but it's not too big. I mean, there was probably only a thousand people there. It wasn't like a mega show. So it felt sort of intimate. And it had these, like, we were in these, like, pews. Because it used to be some sort of church. and Mm -hmm. It just had this beautiful, intimate feeling to it. So I would like that. But I also have been to, you know, I saw Kendrick Lamar at the Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Mm -hmm. Man, it was a party. I mean, everybody was going crazy. There was, you know, tens of thousands of people there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it was electric. The energy was up. Um, I don't know. You tell me yours, and maybe I'll be inspired. It might not come off as like a, a legitimate concert sound, but I wanted to have a Steely Dan. Okay. At like a fancy type bar location where there's seating where you can have a drink, because you know Steely Dan's a band that it's concert worthy. But you almost want to sit down and have, like, a Moscow Mule cross from someone you love, mm-hmm. listening to Only a Fool Would Say That while they're up there jamming out, you know. And, like, on a rainy night in some nice bar in New York, you know. Like, big. You know how the Hard Rock is in New York? You know how it's a massive, like, there's a stage and everything? Oh, kind of yeah. like that. Okay. Now, I know some people think... Steely Dan at Hard Rock sounds very not classy. But I'm not saying Hard Rock in particular. There has to be bars around there that it was like even these guys would play in, mm-hmm. you know. And I just want to, like, have that setting because, like, there, hearing Steely Dan in that setting, having a couple drinks with someone you love, it'd have to be like a wife at this point. You're not taking some Tinder date on this kind some of... Some hussy. Some hussy. You're taking the one you love because you know what you're going to do with her? In the middle of their plane, you're going to go to the bathroom and have sex with her because ah. only Steely Dan could make bathroom sex at a bar classy and enjoyable. That's true. Precise. I mean, you you're in that bat- men's bathroom in the big stall... You just hear Kid Charlemagne in the background. Exactly. Go, God, it feels great to be alive. I mean, the Boston rag playing in the background as oh. you just like get your cum rag out. <laughs> and you <laughs> hope she's not on the rag. Exactly. And you know, Walter Becker, rest in peace. R.I.P. I wish, to me, a night like this would have been perfect when he was alive, you know. Just imagine that. Just that night. It'd almost be like for you. I, I was imagining that you would say your ideal concert would be like listening to Frank Sinatra. You know? Like live. I was actually he's up there, there. And he's up there like, smoking. At, here's like, where we're at. We're at the Copacabana. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a hot, hot club in New York City. I mean, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, Marilyn Monroe would sit in front row every night. Ella Fitzgerald was up there singing. Frank Sinatra. I mean, Dean Martin. Bing Crosby, all these people. Oh, and it's just a smoky jazz club. Oh. Oh, you'd have all the greats playing. That's, you know what? You've sold me. That is where I want to be. And Frank comes up. Frank comes up, and he's got a lit cigarette, ash falling out of his mouth, and he just... 
It was a Saturday. I mean, he just... Oh, yeah. You sold me. That is exactly what I'd want. Oh, that'd just be amazing. I mean, I can just picture the night for you there, Dusty. It's like 1956. Everybody's dressed to the nines. I mean, exactly. You're just (sighs) dressed in the best suit imaginable. Three-piece. It's a three-piece. Three-piece kind of night. It's a three-piece kind of night. What kind of drink are you having, Dusty? Oh. You got to have a nice drink. I'm Nothing, having like an old-fashioned. You can't have anything sugary. That will upset your stomach. You don't want an upset stomach that true, night. True, you know? true. So you kind of want something But the cigarettes, they help quell the nausea. Too. That's true. That's true. So I, I guess, yeah, maybe like an old-fashioned or a... I'd say a whiskey sour. You think a whiskey be, sour would be a good? A whiskey sour Yeah, whiskey sour, good. yeah. Just keep... And, you and of ever course see... I'm with the girl of my dreams, right? And she's in a she beautiful, in a beautiful dress. like her lace hair, dress. She's got a oh, a, a kind of that poofy hair of the fifties where they kind of had it up, you know, because it's not quite the sixties when they had it down, you know. Mm-hmm. She's got those Lara Croft tits, <laughs> just, just the triangle pointers, just pew. Like a, take an eye out if you swing too hard. <laughs> and you're sitting there, your tie's all undone a little bit, coming down a bit. You have the drink in your hand with the cigarette sticking out of, oh, in between the fingers dude, that, of the hand holding the glass. Oh, so you stop. <laughs> that image is so good. Just holding that cigarette between your ring and your... Or between your index and, and your index. And, oh, you just take big sips. The and the glass, later the night goes... <laughs> I mean, just the more whiskey sours, the more buttons that come down. And you've taken the jacket off. And guess off. what? You're you've sweating. You've got the vest and... You're sweating because sweating it's hot in there. Yeah. And you're not... There's, there's no, no central, central air. air, baby. There's no central air. You're sitting there It's and July just, 15th. Oh. I mean, it's like the hottest night of the and year. And Frank's up there, beads of sweat rolling down his forehead <laughs> like a pastor. Oh. And he's just singing. But the thing about Frank, when he's singing, it doesn't even look like he's trying. There's no effort to it. He's no literally effort. like he could just go from singing to hey, how you doing? And doll? I made sure to right pick back a 50s, into his song. Fifties Frank because even he wasn't as grumpy then. If you look at seventies Frank when yeah, he's on stage, he, started to he get gets a, a bit of whining. Yeah. <laughs> he gets a little grumpy. So you want him when he's in a happier mood mm-hmm. back then. And yeah. he's at a smaller venue, and you know your Lord knows you're spending a lot of money that oh, night. Definitely. So but you tell, but you tell her get whatever she wants. You know. You look at the waiter and go, "I'll have the, I'll have the, I'll have the prime rib. Give me a baked potato. Give me some baked beans. And she'll have the Cobb salad. Hold the lettuce. Because guess what? Your lady's staying thin. <laughs> well, you can just balloon. You can just balloon you can just right sit up there with that massive gut hanging. I mean, out. Lord knows. I mean, have you seen Jackie Gleason and his <laughs> wife? I mean, he definitely ate. You know, he ate for both of them. <laughs> See, that's what I'm trying to think of. Like, I guess my scenario of, like, listening to Steely Dan would have obviously have to occur within the timeline of at least the early 70s. Mm-hmm. So I would be, maybe they're just starting out. They're just touring. They got some of those students. You know, they Michael McDonald hasn't really, you know, joined in yet. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> and I'm with some. I'm with a college. I'm with a college sweetheart. You know, we've just graduated, and she's got that long hair. You know, we're, we kind of look shag because this is kind of hippie music. This isn't this, but it's classy. It's classy. It's very class. It's very. 
there's just a level of both like anyone can listen to Steely Dan, but then there's just a, so few people but back then who only really... true audiophiles can appreciate <laughs> yeah, exactly. Steely Dan. In 2021, only the <laughs> in, most elite of audiophiles can exactly. truly appreciate Steely Dan. Exactly, but it's their fault. I mean, they were audiophiles in their own right do you think they got pussy back then they probably could but they said no i feel like they were the guys like it was thrown at them and they go um actually i want to go home and clean my record collection (laughs) these guys they didn't they didn't get women they didn't do it for the women they did it so they could sit there and make songs about like with lyrics that don't mend together, like their sentence, their sentences are just two different things each time. Yet mm-hmm. it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It's so unbelievable how they could, how they made music back then, and you can't replicate it. Nope. You just can't. I mean, the Beatles. Imagine, like everybody today, there's like 35 tracks mm-hmm. that they record. It's like you got the piano, the chords, the guitar, the. And they're all doing it separately. They're not even in the room at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the Beatles, they literally were all in the same room, <laughs> playing know. all at the same time. If guess what? If Ringo got off beat, that whole freaking take screwed. They got to do it again, and they're doing it on tape, so you can't re- erase it. You throw out the freaking. They're real. And believe it or not, these guys were all thinking about fucking the same ugly ass woman. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The unbelievable. I would have been insulted if I were some nice, good-looking woman back in the '60s, and I looked into the newspaper or the magazine and saw that the one that they all were after wanting to sniff her panties was Yoko Ono. I would have been furious. Disgusting. I would have been like, listen, I am at least... I might be a Pennsylvania four, but at least I'm not a world three. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, come on. A world three. (laughs) Now, Frank, he fucked. I mean, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, how many times was he married? Five? Multiply yeah. that by ten, and that's the amount of women he banged while he was married to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, being faithful wasn't even in his vocabulary. But he had it right. He did it right back then. He never became a self-proclaimed, like, I'm a godly man. He never that's said true. it. You know, like Elvis, he was kind of very like, you know, oh, I'm Lord God, mama. You know, crying in the chapel, that's... That's Elvis. Yeah, Elvis that had some ne- great gospel hits. But that was never that was never Frank. He mm. never promised the public that he was some, you know. Well, that's like, a good thing with Italians. Like they admit they're like, "Oh yeah, we're Catholic." <laughs> what but they fuck? they literally they'll fuck, they'll fight, they'll kill people. I mean, the mafia, the, nobody was more reli- nobody wore more more Jesus pieces than mafiosos. Exactly. They were like so into the religion. It was like they only were in the religion to know what rules to break and right. how well to do it because right. they were like and it was honestly it was their mothers because there's nothing an italian man reveres more than his own mother <laughs> but also that's what it yeah. was she was like i'm catholic you got to be catholic whatever we're gonna raise you right johnny boy you're gonna be a good catholic and you're mm-hmm. like all right mama i'm gonna go to church for you because i love you and they wear the Jesus piece, you know, they go to church, but they're also slinging rock during the week. I <laughs> exactly. Mean. And what was Elvis doing? I mean, he was a good Presbyterian, right? Wasn't he Presbyterian? I guess. I don't know. He wasn't Catholic. That I don't know sure. what his thing was, but he, I mean, certainly he did drive wasn't. like a gold Cadillac, so he had to have a little fun. Oh, yeah. And Pres- how old was, how old was uh, 
Priscilla when they got married? Um, like 16. <laughs> and I believe he was like 25. I mean, different times back then. Different Jerry, strokes Jerry for Lee. different folks. I mean, <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, oh. are we. Hey, he might have gotten the idea from him that one night in that uh, one recording studio. Did you ever hear about that like famous night where it was Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash? Um, there was a fourth one. Like these, all these wow. guys, all these major musicians were in the same recording studio at one time, and they like played a couple songs together. And it's he. So maybe Elvis got a little inspiration from Jerry Lee Lewis when he was like. Cousin be looking pretty bad though. Mm. Uh, I be seeing my cousin at the reunions. <laughs> I go, dang Teresa, put away your math homework. Let's get down to business. <laughs> I got Teresa. I got some great balls of fire. Oh lordy, lordy, lordy. See, I when I was younger, I always confused Jerry Lee Lewis with Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Turns out they were both pieces of shit. But the one didn't date his thirteen-year-old cousin. I mean, what did Jerry Lewis do? I honestly he was don't just know. An ass, I mean, I just know he was a comedian. I mean, what's funny is, um, I mean, he made all those like screwball comedies, but apparently he was just kind of a jerk in real life, and he had a kids, and he like neglected them entirely. And I mean, what are you gonna do? What do you expect? I what mean, the same. Like all our heroes are pieces of shit at the end of the day. I mean, honestly. Especially if we go far back into like Especially you know. Yeah. My comedy like Mel Brooks, man. Like he seems like he'd be he was a good guy, but apparently he liked to sue people. Like if somebody was like had a funny idea that was I guess in the same realm as what he may have done before, he was like, You stole my idea. I'm gonna sue you for ten million dollars. So as you were saying, you know, Jewish people, they're synonymous with suing people. Yes. <laughs> they are. I mean. But it's okay. I'm 20% Jewish. I'm allowed to say it. I mean, you don't have to make excuses for criticizing people. I mean, come on, Dustin. No, but you're an anti-Semite. If you criticize the, huh. the Israeli government, you are an anti-Semite. I mean, you might be on to something. Interesting. You know, it's like. What's the difference between, like, massacring a different ethnic group and pursuing God's vision for your nation? I don't know. I mean, I mean, Dusty, now the shoe is on the other foot. I mean, they were once, they were once their own house. That's true. Maybe it's just, like, tipping the scale a little more even, right? I mean, exactly, dude. So basically, you're saying the ma- the mass slaughtering of Palestinians by the Israeli government is just righting the wrongs done to the Jews in the past. Yes. I mean, I won't give them excuses, but if they want one, I I will leave that out on a nice fresh platter if they need it. You know. We'll set that. We'll set that. Uh, you know, in front of their door. If they want to open it up and take it in and have a bite to Precisely. eat from it, we're okay with that. You know. So who are some of your heroes that turns out they're not so good? I mean. Kevin Spacey. Oh. I fought long and hard, as he would have liked it, uh, <laughs> for his how good he was as Lex Luthor in Superman Returns. My father always said, that Kevin Spacey, he's just a creep. I don't like... He's always said that. Did I'll he give say my that? dad credit. He always said, he's like, he just gives me a creepy vibe. He just gives me a bad... like. And I said, so you don't like him in any, like, the usual suspects, uh, the ref with, um, 
Oh, have you ever seen The Ref? No, it has Kevin I haven't. Spacey and it has, oh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary's in it. Oh, you mean Bill Hicks Light. <laughs> did he, re- I mean. He did. What was it then? I, I dived into this. I dived into this. Now, what? It, let's ask Bill Hicks. Uh-oh. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Terminal pancreatic cancer. Yeesh. <laughs> no, that. that well, is, how old was he? 28? He was like 33. Yeah. Bill Hicks. And I laughed at it. I'm sorry, Bill Hicks. <laughs> I mean, he's dead. In his own words, <laughs> it's just a ride. That's true. Life's just a ride, and then you get off, and that's it. So I don't think he believes you could. He could hear you right now. Yeah. Um, but no, I did de- dive into this because I was a fan of Bill Hicks. You know, I've been a fan for a couple of years, and I dived in. I was. I remember when I was working. I was working for my dad, so we were working sort of long hours. But I'm in my own. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in my own tractor, whatever. Um, and I would, and I had so much time. I would listen to albums, and I went through this phase where I just listened to comedy albums. I mean. Virtually every comedian I could get my hands on, I would just play their albums. Now, sometimes certain comedians, without the visual element, it's not as good. But I still work through it. Like some mm-hmm. of them, you could tell there's a really funny visual element they added there, and you're like, ah, I can't get it because I'm not watching it. Mm-hmm. But with with somebody like Bill Hicks, no visuals needed. I mean, the man was just brilliant with words. Um, but yeah, during that time, I also duck. I also dug into the story with Dennis Leary because they were like friends and sort of mm-hmm. colleagues in the comedy biz. Um, so it was kind of weird that Dennis Leary, all of a sudden Dennis Leary came out with this album in the early 90s. And it was like just very Bill Hicks-esque. It just was like he used like similar cadences, even down to like even the same sort of situations like, it was, I mean, it was pretty egregious. A lot of times, you know, comedians will say, oh, they stole that. But it's, you know, mm-hmm. the evidence is like, it's like, it's not a crime to think the same thing's funny as somebody else and mm-hmm. to think of it independently. It's like, that's bound to happen. With the amount of people trying to come up with funny ideas, you're so going to have two people coming up with the same like funny idea. the most egregious, like, copying of material like because you know i wish i could play it for you i probably i'll show you seen those like amy schumer you know joke stealing and it's like there were some things that she said that were very like i I like almost word for word yeah there were some things that were word for word and you know i i mean comedians i feel like that's a business that it's like sometimes it can just be a coincidence and other times it is just blatantly like malicious right and sometimes you can't tell and I mean, there's a lot of legends who were caught up in that, and we still love them. Like, yeah. Robin Williams was known for that. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knew. I mean, you would know If more you say about... something funny in front of Robin Williams, it's going to show up in his act. Yeah. Now, he's not going to do it word for word. I mean, he nobody can recreate the way, the, perform, the way he performed. Yeah. But he would just take, you know, your idea and use it in his way. Mm-hmm. So, I guess it's stealing in one hand, but in the other, he's just sort of taking a... You know, a bunch of influences and combining them, which is what all artists do at the end of the day. Now, were those who were stealing these jokes were they Jewish? Um, well, because I'm assuming we're talking about show business, right? Well, I'm I'm asking because I'm wondering where was the suing coming in? Because I'm feeling like whoever the Mel Brooks attorney is, there's a litigious, there's a litigious (laughs) thing going on here. 
So obviously, you have to be pretty careful if you're a comedian and you're going to steal from someone of the Hasidic nature because you're... I mean, you got to tread lightly. It is show business, I mean. No, I mean, um, you've probably seen that video of Joe Rogan confronting Carlos Mencia. That's funny. He basically... And Carlos Mencia, it was a pretty egregious example, too. Like, he was taking people's material almost word for word. And Joe got pissed off, and he confronted him on stage in front of people, which was really wild. I mean, it's crazy that it took the unfunniest comedian out there to really tell Carl Mancia, and it's upsetting. Carlos Mancia. Joe Rogan, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, I like his podcasting. And I like, you know, he's his interesting. His joking is just... His some of his material, it's just, I don't know, I can't connect with it. Like, really. to see it's him and Dave Chappelle, it's, it's kind of like, to me, you're going to a concert... And before the concert, like, the main headline is, you know, Foreigner. And you're like, awesome. I love Foreigner. Mm-hmm. But the opener's cheap trick. <laughs> it's like... And you're like, ooh. Ooh, all I know is Surrender. That's a good one. The other stuff is a little, uh... And then that, like, Joe Rogan, has he had a joke I've laughed at? Yes. But his comedy is very much now can i do what he does as a comedian obviously not i'm not a comedian i don't have the chops to write material down and go up and say it at but i don't know he's just when you stack him up against his really well-known friends i mean it's like ah it's just bad it's just not that it's hey not- god bless him though god bless him he turned it into a hundred million dollars from Spotify. So I mean, exactly. Phil Hartman, rest in peace. You're watching your friend from Newsroom make more <laughs> news radio, but news radio. ultimately, who news- cares? I mean, really, <laughs> who, who watched news radio? No one did. You're right. Newsroom was a was another show, an HBO show, wasn't it? Newsroom yeah. was with um, I started what's watching his name? Jeff um, Daniels. Yeah, Jeff Daniels. No, it, yeah. But yeah, obviously a better show. Newsroom I mean, was a the funny sh- part. Is News Phil Radio. Hartman was like extreme. Like he was SNL god. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, everybody on SNL thought he was the funniest guy on SNL. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Andy Dick meddled in his marriage, and bad things happened. <laughs> That's right, Andy Dick. Yeah, apparently he blame they blame Andy Dick for his what for his death because his wife was like a. She was a recovering coke addict, and Andy oh. Dick like gave her some blow at a party or something. I did not know it was that yes, bad. yes. And then, oh, and then no. she kind of relapsed and got into a bad mental space and ended up shooting him. Oh, that's right. That's how. That's how. It's like it's a pretty wild, really. There's a lot of wives of I mean, famous people. You don't people. marry for looks. I think that's the message we could go go home with. Now, didn't Phil Hartman, even though he was an SNL legend, did he not like? He didn't like SNL because I listened to Jim Brewer, who was also an SNL alumni, who he did not like SNL when he worked there. It seems like if there's a place where your jokes and your ideas are going to be stolen and presented by someone who's evidently more important than you, it was very uh, it was very common at the Rockefeller <laughs> at the Rockefeller. Yeah, Rock. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag. Some people from SNL. They loved it. They said it was great. Some people hate it. I mean, Bill Hader said he literally had, like, almost unbearable anxiety every single week. And he was on there for years. Yeah, he was And on he there. just kind of dealt with it. And he was still able to be funny. But he went on the greener pastures, you know? I mean, right. he went out to do... All the people who really, you know, went... 
way up after SNL. Of course they're not going to complain about SNL. You don't hear Will Ferrell going, oh, I hated SNL. Because without it, he'd be nothing. Exactly. And now he's a mega millionaire and makes some. Now let's talk about the Recently, nine- he's had some real stinkers. <laughs> well, Will Ferrell is kind of funny. It's like he he did just kind of drop off on the ter- on terms of like popularity. Like any movie that came out with him in it was like an instant, not instant number one, but it was pretty like. It was massive. I mean, all the, well liked, made, everyone, all the movies with Adam McKay he made. I mean, like Step Brothers. Talladega Nights. I mean, it's the other guys. The other guys. And then it just all went weirdly like it's, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it's Holmes. weird. It's like Holmes. I don't know. Sorry, it's called Holmes and Watson. Which I what was that movie it. with Amy Poehler where he opens up like a ca- casino slash? Oh, game or uh, I watched it. It's I've not watched game it play, twice. or not game night. Game night's that Jason Bateman yes, one, which is actually which is pretty good. good. Yeah, I, it was I better watched, than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that it was one. actually very good. But um, I forget the one. Him and Amy Poehler are a couple in it that like need to pay yes, for their daughters. Yes, I've watched it twice. Believe it or not. Yeah, they need their to pay Rundus, their daughters. Or it's something with game, isn't it? I don't know. I just know that the, the, it just didn't look that good to me. Um, and then what else has he had out recently? Like he did this movie with Julia Louis Dreyfus. Um, yeah, it was a it's semi like a snowboarding downhill. I think it's called, and it's a remake. It was like right. a remake of a right. foreign film. Well, I mean, let's face it. Whenever there's we no turn. original movies anymore, no, except for like even the original ones are just like adaptations of books or comic books or something mm-hmm. else. Um, but hey, that's what Wolf gets you had a great run. He did, and most actors. You know they can't. They count their lucky stars. They get one good movie. I mean, let you alone can't a be string like, of massive hits. You can't be like all the '90s stars from SNL who are just hanging off of Adam Sandler and whatever he does. They're literally. Clinging I mean, there's to like vines. It's kind of funny how the '80s SNL stars they could obviously like hold their own, you know, in a world of like, like Eddie. Well, mostly just Eddie Murphy because they usually call the '80s the early '80s as SNL's dark times. Because Eddie Murphy was the only funny person on SNL, yeah, evidently. Yeah, it was kind of a dry pit. I, I couldn't tell you because I didn't I didn't even decide to go back and watch those old, you know, the, the older episodes. But mm. then it was like the 90s, it kind of hit a resurgence, you know. But it's funny to think, like, all those guys who were in the 90s SNL, now they're just like side characters in Grown Ups 3. Mm. Because Adam Sandler was the only one to really get, like, massive deals after the fact and chris farley but we know what happened to chris farley i mean we've seen the picture i mean wouldn't it have been great if he lived and he would have been in his own uncut gems i think chris farley could have been in some serious like oh, i think he, he could have showed, been in a wes he anderson extremely movie. good he showed really bright sparks of dramatic like even in the com- all the comedies he mm-hmm. did there would be some moments where it would be a dramatic moment and he I think he could have done well. I don't think his life would have been relegated to doing like, like Jack the and David Jill. Spade trail. Yeah, the wrong just sort Missy. of been turned into like having to do like he's just so stupid. Because people think premises. like what happened to Kevin James is like what would have been Chris Farley's career, and it's like I don't think so. I don't think he like, would have done a TV show. I think mm. he was had could have had enough star power that he would have done comedies in the two thousands, and then. He would have probably dipped his toes into some dramatic roles, because you know directors always love 
they love going against comedy type. actors. Yeah, they love going against. Well, it's type. also dramatic directors are jealous mm-hmm. because comedy is the, one of the hardest things to actually do on screen. And actually get it to be so. Funny. That's why dramatic. I mean, like I mean, ask Paul Feig. Even even people who are like real serious directors, like Scorsese, and like some of these, they love using comedian, comedic actors because they know they have the chops. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a you know it's a hard thing. Um, I think Chris Farley could have had a great career. I I agree. You know, he just he had some demons he couldn't get under control. Exactly. And it's the uh, same now thing happened with. I mean, oh, you want to talk about another guy who would have had probably a great run, John Belushi. I mean, he was he was very talented. Now, and I think he also showed streaks of being. I think he could. He was in a couple dramas. They went sort of they flew pretty much under the radar, but mm-hmm. he was in actually a couple drama movies, and he did well. So I think he's another guy who would have done well. And now we're left with. Did you see Chris Rock is in that Spiral, this new Saul movie? Yes. I've heard he's actually pretty good in it. I mean, honestly, a lot of these comedy guys, I think they're just bored of like hanging out with Adam Sandler and making a movie. I mean, I think there's also the big trend of they saw how well Uncut Gems did. Because it was, I mean, it's a fantastic movie. And then probably these comedy guys who are like, like hey, maybe I can do that too. Like, hey, I could definitely do, you know, I could do a movie like that. And not all of them can, you know. Not all of them can be taken seriously. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey made a serious movie called The Number 23. Isn't that what it's called? Chapter 23. Or I thought it was called Chapter 23. You know what I'm talking about, where he's like a dude obsessed with numbers? Yeah, because he's, right, he's, like, he's looking into a book all the time, right. and I think like the one chapter is blank. And like it's like a book of his life. I forget. I thought I it was called it. Chapter 23. I thought it was called like Number 23 or something. I'm going to look that up. Um, but that apparently he wasn't too bad in that movie. I haven't seen it, but... Apparently it wasn't so bad. So yeah, a lot of these comedian, you know, these comedic guys, they want to take a turn for the drama. Now you don't really see the reverse happening too often. You don't see dramatic actors like turning to comedy. The number twenty-three. But, you're right. But when they do, sometimes it's a little embarrassing. I mean, you know what I was. Let's thinking think of? of Robert De Niro. Some of his recent comedy turns. Ew. To get off of the topic a little bit, you're right. It was the number twenty-three. I was thinking of Chapter Twenty-Seven about Mark David Chapman, the movie ah, with Jared Leto. Jared Leto just ate a couple Big Macs, blew himself right up. <laughs> he, ugh, he looks so disgusting. Don't you love when actors are like, "I have to look disgusting, <laughs> but only for this role, and then I'm going to yeah. go back to looking sexy." And we, like, applaud them for looking like, like normal people. You're so brave for finally looking normal. <laughs> I mean, look how much hard work it took for you to look like us. It's like, uh And then some people, they become so famous that they change themselves from looking normal to looking disgusting. Shout out Demi Lovato. <laughs> I mean, what has happened to her? I, I mean, mean, if you look at a picture of her five years ago, it's like she looks normal and healthy. Dude, you and don't know, I tell you what. She's just become like you so wanna talk about up her own ass. Lana Del Rey. Look up a modern picture of her. She's beefing, bro. Is she? I mean, it's what you get for being married to a police officer. You got to dodge those fists every now and then when they come home, you know. Yikes. Don't look up the stats. <laughs> Don't look up the stats. Let's on... not talk about the statistics on policemen and uh, domestic, domestic violence. I will say, she. I think she's hulking out so she can take on her husband hey, when it comes Ray, I have. There's been very important moments in my life where I've listened to her music and she's 
deeply impacted me. I have, I, I mean, she's really an like anomaly. Lana Del Rey. I love her because I, I remember when the pandemic was in full swing. She's out there in like a chain link mask. It literally had no filter, nothing. It was just like it. chain link. I love and it. She's out, and everyone's like, "Should we be mad about this?" And that's why. And then, I, like I said, I saw a picture of her, and you know, I'm not one for looking up paparazzi photos you know looking into these i don't care it just kind of came up in my sub feed you know and stuff like that on like instagram and and <laughs> here here was her she's covid <coughs> oh boy here was her i mean she had the shoulders of a mac truck you know she's just she and she was smiling and and her legs look like she's ran at least 40 miles a legs day Legs look like ham ham bone <laughs> And I'm not saying she was ugly. I'm just saying she Ham was hawks. That's what I was trying to say. I mean, hey, good for her. God bless. Her. I mean, I hope she's just giving her husband the what for when he comes home, you know, and is just all mad and every, you know, and he's giving her the she's the doing that Muhammad <laughs> Ali <laughs> dodging <laughs> the twenty one, <laughs> then shaking their booty. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. Yep. That's that's. That's the life of a woman. Will in you still love me when I'm, I'm no longer young and beautiful? Oh, so that I was a warning. You will. <laughs> that was I a warning. know you will. I know that you will. Yeah. Wait, what about Adele? She's not fat anymore. Is no. She? What a shame. She needs the darn. She needs to pork up a little <laughs> she bit again. Needs to pork up again. What? What if guys? for white boy summer or just in general what if guys just out of nowhere reversed the whole what they find conventionally attractive about women what are you saying brandon i'm saying you you know how guys just always are are you saying uh plus size women are less desirable is that what you're trying to tell well yes but anyway you know that's we should switch that and saying that they are desirable and let's just say like skinny is disgusting i mean what would we have so much power. We, the ball has always been in man's court. It really has. <laughs> and mean, men just start selectively desiring plump women out of nowhere. I mean, there will be a there will be a fat craze like nobody. No, business. there would probably be fat phobia will be at its highest. Oh. think about it. Because nowadays it isn't. People are not starting to change their bodies to satisfy anyone anymore. They're just kind of like, wherever I fall in line. I'm me. Deal with it. So if guys were just like, fine, we all just love plump women, skinny women will be like, well, my body's just as important too. And it's like, nah. Go go to the gym, you fucking stick bug. <laughs> Start yeah. eating cake. Yeah, eat some more sweets, you disgusting skinny woman. Have some two sleeves of Oreos per night, and then come back. But to imagine, me. so now skinny woman, they'll start a you know they'll start a movement saying, skinny is beautiful, and we would be like, I'm sorry. They say just because I'm skinny doesn't mean I can't be healthy, beautiful, and I can't feel good about myself. Ooh. Us guys will be there grabbing the love handles of our women and just be like, I don't know. I can't hold on to you. We'll say, uh, just because you say it doesn't make it true. I mean, the ball has always been in man's court. That should be tonight's episode. The ball is always in. The ball is in our court. The ball is in our court. It's always been. I mean, not you Not me and you, of course. (laughs) Because if that were the case... You know, we would have more of a Michael Jordan career than a, you know, a Brian Scalabrini. 
<laughs> you know. So I mean, it's what it is. I we mean, we technically do not have anyone under our thumb. I mean, under we, my thumb, we have nobody. Shout out Mick Jagger. We have nobody. <laughs> we literally have nobody. Like we think here. Yes, we could fall in line with the being attracted to uh, you know plump sized women, uh, but Dusty and I we're not going to make a difference alone. So you know. Now, so we're calling all men. We're time to change the culture. I mean, let's talk about who's always been ahead of white men, black men. They've been ahead of this plump Dude, culture for stop years. Stop right now. You have uncovered brilliance. Nobody likes fat, sassy white women more than black men. And I, mean, I gotta truly, give them credit. They took a bullet for white men. They a have fallen They've on fallen. the sword like nobody's business. Then they have a little son running around in Walmart. They say, they call him Jaden. Hey, Jaden, get over here. <laughs> the light skin name that of all time. Light skin. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I feel. So, I, They've taken so much for us. I mean, it's but that might be the sacrifice that they've taken that trumps all the other ones. Is and we be- love them for it. I mean, God bless. Thank you so much. And I mean, with that, we have nothing else to say. We have nothing I mean, else to say. <laughs> other than black men have upheld society like nobody else. Oh. And if that's not deserving of a menthol cigarette, I don't know what is. <laughs> exactly. Good night, America.